This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, January 27th. 2021. I am Dave Biddle, and I am joined by our special guest, Steve Dace, host of Michigan Podcast, a wildly successful podcast. Steve, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. This is so overdue. I really appreciate you taking time to do this. Welcome into the show, my friend. I appreciate it. Happy to do it. And um, I, I just wish it was under more competitive circumstances. But unfortunately, here we are. Hey, it was neutral this past season, right? Nobody won or lost this past season as far as Michigan. And yeah, it Ohio reminds State. me of when uh, E. Gordon Gee, when <laughs> Michigan had its run against John Cooper, and uh, we went down there, I think it was in 92, with Moeller's best team and they that was undefeated but had three ties. This is right before overtime came into college football. And so we had three ties, and the third one was to Ohio State. And afterwards, uh, your school president said, this is one of our greatest wins ever, right? I think he, he was obviously being somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But that's exactly how I felt when Michigan canceled the season uh, because <laughs> I already had plans before COVID. I, I'd already told my audience, I'm not watching another Michigan-Ohio State game until Michigan shows me that they can make it competitive. I was going to go see Kong versus Godzilla opening weekend at the IMAX, but then with COVID, all the movies got shut down. And I'm like, crap, man, am I going to get stuck watching this? And then uh, uh, thankfully contact tracing came in there with a Hail Mary pass and bailed us out at the end. So I'm good to go. I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I went this year without uh, the perennial pounding to Ohio State. So I'm walking with less of a limp. This is why Buckeye fans love you. You keep it real. Um, and, uh, yeah, the 1992 game, I remember that uh, very vividly. Yeah, after losing four straight times to Michigan to open the John Cooper era, they got the tie 13 all in 1992 with Kirk Herbstreet as the quarterback. And as you said, E. Gordon Gee with the famous quote, it's one of the greatest victories in our school's history. The tie to Michigan it will mm. always live in infamy. Now, I want to let the listeners know, the first time I heard – about Steve, my brother-in-law Jeff is a diehard Buckeye fan, uh, and he tells me he's like, "Hey, listen." He texts me, he's like, "You got to listen to this guy, Steve Days, who does this Michigan podcast. He's awesome." And I'm like, "What in the hell are you talking about? I don't even listen to other Ohio State podcasts. I don't get on YouTube and watch Ohio State podcasts. If I'm going on YouTube, I'm probably watching." Joe Rogan or something like that, maybe like a Bill Simmons rewatchable. And he's yeah. like, no, no, trust me. He's like, you've got to check this guy out. Like, and I'm like, all right, whatever. He's never been like this, like, you know, adamant about anything in as far as football, in as far as I've known him. I check you out, dude. You're a natural. You're a natural. You do the Michigan podcast, you do the bigger 10. You're just, and this isn't even your full-time job. You're just a natural at this. And 
credit to you, man. It's just a pleasure that uh, I've been able to follow your work and I'll get a chance to talk to you. It's very, very kind. Please pass along uh, my regards to your brother and I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get to matters of business. Steve, retaining Jim Harbaugh. If I'm in charge of Michigan football, I would have fired Jim Harbaugh and I would have hired Matt Campbell. Where are you at with, we'll get into all the assistant coach hirings in a moment. Where are you at with them retaining Jim Harbaugh? Um, I, I think there's, Dave, there's a lot going on underneath the surface of the Michigan program. A lot, a lot of drama, um, a lot of issues and um, a lot of personal issues with the people involved in the program family issues, um, that are sensitive. And I, and, and I think if Ward Manuel is guilty of anything here, here's what I can tell you. Uh, you know, we have the largest living alumni base. It's, you know, on an annual basis, it's us or Penn state have the largest alumni base on planet earth. The idea that Michigan, that, that South Carolina had $12 million to buy off Will Muschamp, that Michigan can come up with 10 million to say goodbye to Jim Harbaugh is simply not true. I, I don't think Ward Manuel um, didn't have the money, was worried about uh, politics and optics in a COVID year. Uh, I don't think that he did his, uh, his uh, former teammate a solid. They were teammates, I believe, for one year. Uh, he was a freshman, I think Ward was, when Jim was having his uh, Heisman run his senior year. I really think what happened here is Ward Manuel looked at the confluence of events between COVID and what's going on with a lot of personal issues with people inside the program. And I think he just decided that he was going to give Jim Harbaugh an offer to bet on himself. One that essentially this coming year that Jim will either rise to the occasion. You know, you go to Jim's junior year uh, at Michigan, his sophomore year, they, he broke his arm against Miami. Uh, the team was six and six. That was Bo's worst team. The next year, they weren't even ranked in any preseason poll. They faced a schedule of seven teams that were going to be ranked at some point during the year. They ended up finishing number two in the country. And so that maybe Jim Harbaugh can, with a chip on his shoulder, catch lightning in a bottle, but that he wanted to make sure that they didn't overreact to the COVID year. And that, but at the same, to same time, I mean, Jim Harbaugh's on blast. We've never seen a coach with a contract like what he has signed. And it's very clear that it was delayed because he was looking to see if, if there was a better offer in the National Football League. There was not. And so I think that this was, this was both sides agreeing that there needed to be a reckoning here. Now, I would have fired him as well, but I'm also sensitive to the things that are going on internally with, with people in the program with families and things of that nature that I could see Ward saying, you know what, we're going to give a year of grace for everybody here, given what everybody's going through and with COVID, but you're on notice, you're on blast and we can walk away from this deal anytime we want. And I think it's the odds are pretty high Dave, that they'll be walking away from him at the end of the year. But I would also say this, you know, I'm a big sports handicapping guy that, you're rarely going to get a team that recruits as well as Michigan does as low in the marketplace as they will be this off season. And it kind of reminds me of LSU a few years ago, the first year they had Joe Burrow when they're over, when, when their win total was six or six and a half and they beat Miami in that first game of the year. And uh, that was not a great LSU team, but it ended up being a lot better than people thought. 
But this this will be a very talented team. My early power ratings right now have it the second most talented roster in our league, but not anywhere close to Ohio State's. But the problem isn't going to be the personnel. It's going to be developing them. They still don't have an established quarterback. They're going to reshuffle the offensive line again. They're going to completely reinvent the defense. The defensive coordinator has never coordinated a defense. The offensive coordinator hasn't proven that he can coordinate an offense. Other than that, as Han Solo once said, we're all fine here. Everything's fine here. How are you? <laughs> My kids just saw the first Star Wars for the first time, A New Hope, um, about a couple weeks ago. I know, better late than never. I, I, we were a little, <laughs> a little late to the party, finally introducing my daughters uh, to the great film that is The Great Hope, the original Star Wars. All right, staff changes. First of all, I think Mike Hart, great hire as running back coach. Uh, where are you at, as you mentioned, with – the new defensive coordinator, the new co-defensive coordinator. Do you like all the hires? Where are you at on that? I don't, I don't know. From a coaching standpoint, you can't possibly say this is better than the staff that they had. Uh, I thought Don Brown should have gone after the 2019 Ohio State game. But, you know, um, it's clear teams in our league have figured him out. But for the first two or three years, he might have been the best defensive coordinator in our league. You replace him with a guy that has never coordinated on any level. Now, I've got to believe – John Harbaugh isn't going to send his brother a stiff with his back against the wall and his career on the line, but still he's, he's not actually done it. Uh, your two best teaching coaches on the staff, Ed Warner, the offensive line coach. I don't know where this, this narrative is that, you know, he was a chemistry problem. All I know is in the 2017 Michigan offensive line wrecked that season. Warner took over, reinvented that offensive line had us one game out or one game away from the playoff and then a year later four of those guys got picked in the nfl and he didn't recruit a single one of those guys he developed a bunch of guys he didn't recruit we've recruited exceedingly well on the offensive line with kids flocking to play for ed warner and now we suddenly replace him with a tight end coach that's never coached the offensive line that makes no sense at all uh, running off coach zordich our outstanding corner uh, coach uh, who's developed so many guys into the NFL, running him off. I don't understand that at all. Retaining Josh Gaddis, I don't understand that at all. So, you know, the, the, the narrative we're being sold uh, is that this, this is a younger, more aggressive recruiting staff. And that'll be great. The problem is if they don't win enough games this fall, Dave, we're never going to find out how much younger and, and, and aggressive they are recruiting because a lot of them are getting canned. Their, their jobs are on the line. And the reality is, I know this is Ari Wasserman and him and I have debated this. This is his big thing. Recruiting is not Michigan's problem. Michigan is not, has never recruited at Ohio State's level. I've run through these numbers going back to the Woody Hayes era. It's development. Okay, it's the development issue. Yes. Right. We're going to have as many. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Don, I'm, yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Donovan Peoples-Jones is exhibit A. We are going to have as many four and five star recruits on our roster this year. Put it this way. Let me just put the defense, our defense this year, we're going to have 18 top 250 recruits on that defense. Tell me, don't tell me they, you're going to suck. You, you cannot suck on defense when you've recruited like that. It's the development issue. That is the issue there. And so I don't, I don't know where the, the young, there's a kid in, the right, in his right mind isn't picking Mich Michigan over Ohio State or Clemson right now. We, we got to beat Penn State and everybody else in recruiting. And frankly, we've been doing that. That's not the issue. So um, I don't know how, what, what it matters how well they're going to recruit if they can't coach. You mentioned Mike Hart. 
They also just hired Ron Bellamy, a former player uh, who is probably the best high school football coach right now in the state of Michigan. The good news about those two guys is neither one of them are coordinators. So when a new staff comes in and you're looking for connections to Michigan, you're looking for somebody who gives you a link to tradition, but you can still hire your own coordinators. Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart are getting retained by whoever the next coach at Michigan is in 2022, whether it's Jim Harbaugh or somebody else, because they still allow you the best of both worlds. You, you retain those guys. They, they give you street cred within the Michigan family, but then, you know, they're not coordinators. So you can still bring your own people in. So it was smart for both of those guys to come back in and get under the Michigan umbrella now because they're made men. They'll get grandfathered in whether Harbaugh is retained or not. Yeah, Steve, I was going to ask you about Warner. That's one that took all of us by surprise. I know people on Bucknuts, when I told them that we were going to have you on, first of all, they were thrilled that we were going to have you on the show. Um, among the many questions they wanted me to ask you was like, what happened with Warner? You touched on that a little bit. Um, delve into that a little deeper, if you wouldn't mind. That is a great mystery. I, I, don't, I don't know. He's being replaced by Sharon Moore who's probably the best recruiter on the Michigan staff. And Oklahoma has come hard after Sharon Moore. Some of the thought process is that Sharon Moore was either good, was going to go home to Oklahoma without a promotion. And so Jim thought he had to keep Sharon Moore from a recruiting standpoint. He could not lose him. And so Warner was uh, the casualty of that. There's another thought that uh, Warner was too old school and uh, some of the parents and stuff didn't like that. Um, if that's, if that is true, I think it just shows you all the more that, you know, the jackhammer that Jim Harbaugh used to be is just gone, that that guy is just gone, not coming back. And, you know, wouldn't be the first time somebody got soft as they got old. So I don't, those are the two narratives though, that are popular within the Michigan intelligentsia is one of those two narratives. Another question everybody wants to know regarding your Wolverines Who's going to be the quarterback and who are going to be the main playmakers for Michigan this coming season? I think if JJ McCarthy is able to pick up the offense, he will be the quarterback. Cause I also think that's Jim's attempt to buy himself another year by saying, Hey, I brought in this highly coveted recruited kid, highest rated quarterback signing Michigan has had since Chad Henney. Um, and you know, I need another year to season him, develop him. So I think that that's, I think if JJ McCarthy can grasp the offense, I think it will be him. Um, we've seen Cade McNamara light up Rutgers, and then we saw Cade McNamara light up Rutgers. He wasn't playing that well against Penn State before he got the shoulder hurt. Uh, Joe Milton, to me, uh, is, a, is, a, is a mystery. It's a, it's a mystery. I mean, that's a guy. I mean, he looks like Cam Newton in a uniform. Uh, they spent an entire offseason developing him. And then uh, for him to look the way he did, and then, you know, he was out there with an injured, I think it's a wrist or a thumb. I can't remember what the exact injury is that he had at the end of the year. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. If I had to guess, I think he's heading into his fourth year. He's probably close to getting his degree. Probably see where he's at after the spring, get his degree, and then assess where he is at. I don't think all three of those guys will be on the roster when the season starts. McNamara or Milton, if I had to guess, one of those two will choose to move on. I could do this for another hour or two, but I've already kept you longer than I promised. But is there anything I can plug on your end? Michigan podcast, Bigger 10. Guys, go out there and listen to all that. Guys and gals, he does a great job. Bigger 10, Michigan podcast. Anything else I can plug, Mr. Dace? 
Um, you know, all that stuff is great. You can follow us on Twitter at Michigan podcast at bigger 10. And I'll take it. I've got a little bit of time. I'm sitting here. Wait, I'm sitting here waiting for my dinner to get delivered at a hotel room on a business trip. So you good. I'll take a couple more questions. If you, if you have them. Sure. Heck yeah. I just didn't want to keep you longer than I promised. Okay, great. I'm just curious your thoughts on the rivalry right now. I I, I feel like it's not everybody. What is it? I mean, come on. It is. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be having you on the show. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be having you on the show if it wasn't a rivalry, Steve. It's a, it, Michigan, Ohio State is a great tradition. It's a spectacle, but it's really not a rivalry. It's a hammer and a nail aren't a rivalry. A boot and an ant aren't a rivalry. <laughs> and, and it breaks my heart to say this. Um, you know, growing up in Michigan in the 80s, I really hated Iowa. You know, we, we held more than held our own against Ohio State. Iowa you know, got some funky wins against us and probably beat one of Bo, beat Bo's last chance to win a national championship. And so I had, a, I got to know Earl Bruce really well, Dave, um, later in life. Uh, he came to Iowa where I live and yes. I was doing local sports talk radio at the time. And he came here to run our arena team. I spent a lot of time with him, uh, traveled uh, to New Orleans on a road trip with him. And I, and, and I got to hear so many great stories. I got to share with your audience. Can I do this? I got to share with your audience and I'll give you the PG version of one of the best Woody Hayes stories that Earl Bruce ever told me. Okay. Give us the, give us the R version. Uh, uh, I'll give you the PG 13. Okay, cool, okay? cool, cool. Right. Sounds good. All right. So Woody is a young assistant or Earl's a young assistant coach for Woody and they're about to go on a recruiting trip. And I think it might be like to Cincinnati or Cleveland. It's a big city. Okay. And it's the dead of January. And so uh, Earl's job was to get all the particulars together, uh, you know, for the visit, all the logistics, set the meeting up with the family, all that stuff. And um, they get together to go out into the car. Earl picks up Woody at the football offices. Woody comes out in his classic short sleeves in the dead of winter, gets in. He's got one of his George Patton books, gets in the car, doesn't say a word to Earl Bruce. He's got his window cracked the entire time. Earl is freezing his balls off the whole drive. All right. And Woody's just not saying a word, not acknowledging him, nothing. He's sitting there reading his book and it's just an awkward, cold, frigid drive. They get to the kid's house, they pull in. And the minute they walk in the house, Woody is just a totally different person, man. He turns on the charm. He couldn't be nicer, kinder. They stay for hours for dinner. They have a great time. And Earl's like, wow, man, the old man's actually really a cool dude, you know? And so they get out in the driveway after they close the recruit and Woody's like, where are we staying tonight? And Earl says, well, I've got a room at the what's the fanciest hotel in town. It's an Ohio State alum. And he's got us all hooked up and taken care of. And Earl says, Woody looks right at him in that driveway and says, F that. We're not effing doing that. No way I'm, I'm, no way I'm staying at that mother effing place. And Earl's like, coach, we don't, it doesn't come out of the budget. It's an alum. He's got it taken care of. You don't need to worry about it. And Woody says, F that. Call the airport. Go back in the house. Call the airport and tell him to get my room ready. And Earl's like, what are you talking about the airport? He goes, go in the house, call the airport, tell him to get my room ready. We're staying there tonight. So Earl goes back in the house, calls the local airport. Sure enough, they have a room that Woody stays in on recruiting trips. And it's like where pilots stay when they're doing like the red eye and stuff, you know? Okay. And they go in to stay in this room and it's not nearly as posh as what Earl had lined up. Earl's got to go to the bathroom bad. He's been holding it. 
Woody gets into the bathroom first, showers, shaves, all this. And, and, you know, Earl is just dying inside, finally gets into the bathroom, gets to gets to uh, gets to take care of business, gets a shower. He comes out. All the lights are on. Woody is sitting straight up in his bed, reading his book. And um, and Earl's like, this is really I, I mean, I, I, can I watch TV? He goes to turn the TV on and Woody says, nope, nope, nope. So Earl's like, OK. And he sits down in his bed waiting for Woody to fall asleep. Woody starts falling asleep. Earl's waiting and waiting and waiting. He's wired. He can't get to sleep. He needs to turn the TV on to wind down. Finally, when Woody thinks Woody is asleep, he gets up to turn the TV on. And Woody sits. And when, and when he hears a creak in the floor, Woody sits straight up in his bed. And he, and he looks at Earl and he says, F them all. F them all. And then he just goes to sleep. And Earl's like... <laughs> What in the Sam Hill is wrong with Coach? Okay, so now he's like up all night thinking something's wrong with Coach. They get up in the next morning. They get dressed. They go down to the cafeteria at the airport, and it's rush hour, and everybody recognizes the Ohio State coach. And Woody's taking photos. He couldn't be kinder, nicer to people over breakfast. And again, Earl's like, I must be missing something because this guy's just couldn't be more charming. All right. So when the when the crowd kind of leaves to get on their flights and head out. And the, and the restaurant empties out a little bit. It's just kind of them sitting in the back. And Earl looks at Woody and he says, coach, coach, I got to ask you a question. And Woody says, anything you need, Earl, what do you want to know? And Earl says, coach, last night, in the middle of the night, you got up and set up in your bed and screamed out, F them all, F them all. Coach, who are you talking about? And and he says, suddenly Woody's entire expression changed and he slammed his fist on the table and he pointed his finger and only says, I met every one of those effing boosters, effing alumni, effing members of the media who think I owe them a mother effing thing. I don't owe them anything. I coach for those kids, not for them. F them all. What a story. This is exactly what I'm talking about, man. Steve, you are a natural. You're an absolute natural. All right. Now, some Bucknutters want me to ask you this. You kind of touched on this earlier. Did I know this is a touchy subject for Wolverines. Did Michigan duck Ohio State this year? I don't think they ducked Ohio State. I also don't think they were disappointed <laughs> that the game wasn't played. Okay? I mean, this, the, the, when I say they – I'm not talking about the coaches or the players. Right. I think those of us that have covered a team and been in a locker room, that's just a dramatically different culture, man. Okay. And mm -hmm. um, even that's why they say throw out the records in rivalry games, except apparently in, in this rivalry. But um, that's why they say that because those guys are just cut from a different cloth. You can, you know, those guys could be 0 and 10 and be in, in, in that's just the way team. Hey, we got them this week. That's just the way they're wired within the culture of a team like that. But the outside of the football office, outside of the Schembechler building, I don't believe there was anybody in the administration, anybody of any consequence that was really all that brokenhearted, that a Michigan team that even at full strength loaded with 10 guys that got picked in the NFL draft could still lost by 40 points. This team was a mass unit and with contact tracing and injuries, I mean, this, this, this would have been the JV versus the varsity. So I, I think outside of the Schembechler building, I don't think too many people were disappointed that the game wasn't played. Steve Dace, this was 
very much a pleasure, an honor. I hope your food arrives very shortly, and I hope <laughs> it is delicious. Thank you, sir, for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. You bet. I, I look forward to when when we hate each other equally again. It's been way, way too long, uh, and we have just not held up our end of the bargain, and I'm hoping that that time is coming to an end again. So thanks for having me. The 90s is still a very fresh memory for some of us. So <laughs> for some of us old guys like me. Thanks again, Steve. I appreciate it. Buddy. You bet, Dave. Take care. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.